I got chills. Hello and welcome to 80s Movie Montage. This is Derek. And this is Anna. Big finish! Sorry, I just love that <laughs> so much. It's so ridiculous that that's my favorite part of, or one of my favorite parts. I was going to say that. <laughs> I don't know I what mean, that says. It, it might that's be. like your favorite. I'll qualify that and it say is, that it is one it of. It is one of the funnier parts. It is. Of yeah. the film, which is. Broadcast news. Broadcast news. Broadcast news. Yeah, I've uh, been wanting to do this one for a while, and I'm so glad that we finally get the chance to do so. It, I guess, kind of swings back to it. Now, it didn't actually win any Oscars. It was nominated seven times, but didn't really? actually pick up any Oscars. But it is. I guess in that specific regard, more aligned with ordinary people. Although subject matter is totally different. Very much uh, so. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's no pirate movie. But <laughs> <laughs> in any case, let's dive in. It sure isn't. So 1987. And I feel like we have brought him, although like we haven't covered any of his films, but one credited writer for the screenplay, James L. Brooks. Mm-hmm. Super familiar name. He must have just, he's like come up in passing. I mean, it's interesting because, again, bringing up ordinary people, mm-hmm. uh, had Mary Tyler Moore in it and he created the Mary Tyler Moore show. Okay. Yeah. It's one All of right. his credits. So prolific. Um, I mean, I think some people may not realize that he developed. The Simpsons, that's like another one of his huge credits, huge, huge credits, like 730. Well, actually, I think it's increased at this point. It is now Over... 751 episodes. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they added like 20 episodes yep. since you started making your notes. <laughs> They've probably added like 30 more since I just said this. So yeah, James L. Brooks. And he is just like a phenomenal creator, director, producer, writer, obviously. And among some of his... <laughs> the things that he's created. Yeah. I mean, holy cow. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it's interesting because, like, obviously we cover films, strictly speaking, on this podcast. But while he has had several huge, 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 huge films, he might be more well-known for his TV work, I would venture to say. I would agree with that. I mean, as far as just like classic, right. iconic TV series, yeah, I had no idea. I didn't know until like literally just now that yeah. he's responsible for so many of them. Yeah. So earlier in his career, he created the show Room 222. He worked on the TV series Phyllis. Like I just mentioned, he created the TV series, The Mary Tyler Moore Show. And then that had, you know, spinoff after spinoff. So he created the TV show Rhoda. So oh, yeah. That's, yeah. As well as Lou Grant. Okay. As well as Taxi. Mm, little show called Taxi. So another kind of weird, ordinary people connection with Judd Hirsch. Yeah. Uh, then he just goes huge in terms of films because he wrote and directed Terms of Endearment. That was his directorial debut, and he won Best Director for it. So he comes out swinging in terms of his film work. Um, I wonder if people realize, and then here's this, there is a connection here. So he created the Tracy Ullman show. Which created the Simpsons. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that is another one of his TV credits. And then the rest of what I have down for him, um, I mean, it encompasses more than just these credits, but more film work, I'll do anything. Probably as much as I do love this film, I think my favorite of his movies is As Good As It Gets. Yeah. I He's got a lot of Nicholson throughout his I was his, just uh, thinking films. that. Yeah. Yeah. He and Nicholson must be buddies because although <laughs> Nicholson's role in this film, it's strangely small. Yeah. It's almost like it's meant to be more of a Nicholson-ish, like uh, as far as like level of, imp- like this guy's so important, you don't even get to see him that much. Yeah. It's like he... I'm not saying did him a favor, but it's like... And he it, made whoever was, like, heading up that particular, like, Washington mm-hmm, division mm-hmm. real uncomfortable with all the layoffs. Yeah, he's an interesting actor. I'll We'll certainly cover him in just a couple minutes. But, yeah, he definitely gives Nicholson more screen time in, of course, Terms of Endearment, and then As Good As It Gets. I mean, I love, I absolutely adore Nicholson in that role. Yeah. As Good As It Like, love him. That's probably my favorite performance of his. Uh, he also wrote Spanglish and How Do You Know? So moving on to, oh, well, hey, James L. Brooks. So like he wrote and directed oh. this film. And so his two, his two Oscar nominations for this film were Best Original Screenplay as well as Best Picture. So he produced mm, on it. Okay. So, um, and then going strictly to like his directing work, I mean, some of it, there's overlap between the credits that I just listed off. But like I mentioned with Terms of Endearment, um, he, I'm not going to say like swept, but like he did very well that year. So he won Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Director, Best Picture. Uh, maybe at some point we'll do Terms of Endearment. Yeah, we should. Look, if we've if we've covered uh, the Transformers, the movie, <laughs> and the pirate movie, everything else after that's just fair game. <laughs> but what? Okay, so you were like emphasizing the yeah. Terms of endearment does not have the in it. Oh well. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but uh. Bye. But, in, but in any case, yeah. Um. So he I for sure it was Terms of the Endearment. Terms of the Endearment. <laughs> yeah, is that not the title? I like that sounds like almost like horror terms of the terms of the endearment. Anyway. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna tell you the terms of this endearment. <laughs> he directed I'll Do Anything. And then again, um Terms of Endearment is as, as good as this film is, he got more Oscar recognition for the other two big films that we've been talking about. So for as good as it gets. He got a Best Original Screenplay nom and also a Best Picture Oscar nom. Okay. But then, like, Nicholson, it had been a really long time. Um, Has it happened again since? Probably, and somebody will tell me. But, like, I just do remember specifically that year at the Oscars. It's it's pretty rare for Best Actor and Best Actress from the same film to win. Mm -hmm. Doesn't happen a lot, but it did happen that year. Helen Hunt and Nicholson both won, so... Um, so he directed great performances from them. And then he direct. I mean, this is a guy kind of like Cameron Crowe, where he like mostly directs the stuff that he writes. Mostly. So mostly. So he directed Spanglish, How Do You Know? And then he also was a producer on Jerry Maguire, just throwing that out there. So he got a Best Picture Oscar nom for that. Yeah, why not? It's a great movie. It is. It's such a good movie. Okay. Moving on to cinematography. 
So have we talked about him before? No, but I doubt that this will be the last time we talk about him because he what he's no longer with us. He passed in 2017, but Michael Ballhaus uh, was a huge, huge, huge name uh, in the industry. Yeah. He got and he also got nominated for this film. So he got an Oscar nom for best cinematography and not his only nomination. Um never won, but among some of his credits. So as like the name might last name might imply cuz B A L L H A U S, he was German. So started out doing a lot of like German projects. Okay. And then some of these I mean, I had to put this one in. So he worked on a film called Satan's Brew. Oh. Which I really love that title. Yeah. The Marriage of Maria Braun. He did After Hours. Uh, some super high profile. And this one is perhaps a controversial uh, project. He oh. DP'd The Last Temptation of Christ. Okay. That was a pretty big deal mm. when that came out. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Working Girl. We could do these films. Um, he gets another Oscar nomination for The Fabulous Baker Boys. Mm-hmm. He does Goodfellas. So it seems like he did have like, um, and you'll see there's a couple more coming up, relationship with Scorsese. So he was definitely his guy for a lot of projects he did postcards from the edge what about bob (laughs) this one we have we have thoughts about he did bram stoker's dracula i saw that he did dracula and looking at the date i'm like that's probably bram stoker's Mm -hmm. one which is like so that's coppola scorsese's pal okay and that was an interesting it's not a bad film but it's like you really have to be in a mood for (laughs) that version of the film it is it is an interesting version of the of the film, yeah. And yeah. as much as like I can get on board with a lot of it, and as much as I love him, I cannot get on board with Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker. It's tough. It was not a great casting choice. No. Well, and I love Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I I think like him and Winona Ryder both being in that film was just to, It was to get the younger audience. Yeah, it was to get yeah. an audience, but Yeah. Like Ryder, I think can can like play that role yeah. and do it convincingly. I thought she did pretty well with Gary Oldman. Like they yeah. had chemistry and like it it was. And I love Gary Oldman. Keanu Reeves film. is great, but that's just not the right role for right. him. Right, yeah. right. Like if it was, give me a mashup of him as John Wick in Dracula. I mean, from I'll what I've that. heard, Number Four is like the best yet. Oh, it's getting like great reviews. All right. Anyway. Uh, so getting back, so he also DP'd, here we go, Age of Innocence, um, Quiz Show, Air Force One, Primary Colors, The Legend of Bagger Vance. So he gets another Oscar nomination, one of our films that we adore, Gangs of New York. Yeah, that movie's great. I love that movie. And later on in his career, he also, again, so this relationship with Scorsese, he DP'd The Departed. And then his final feature credit was called... 3096 Tage? Have no idea what that was about. That that sounds like it would be like the kind of hint that you give me at the end of an episode. And I'd be like, <gasps> I don't know what you're you? like, I don't know what you're talking How about. How dare you? What does 3096 Tage mean? <laughs> that was Michael Bajas. Okay. So moving on to music. A familiar name, although so it has been a while since we brought him up. 
But he did like kind of he came up in passing when we did Rocky Four. Okay. Uh, with David. So Bill Conti. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, which it was kind of like funny that we brought him up because that is like the one of the like first five, six Rocky movies, the one that he did not compose on. Mm. But that's why he was kind of brought up because it wasn't that was an outlier film. Um, but yes, a super famous composer and Rocky probably, I would guess, is his most famous of any score. Probably, yeah. We'll get I to think so. the film that we actually have covered with him is maybe his second. But. I mean, he did. Uh, he was he had this uncredited credit for the Bond movie for Your Eyes Only, so I guess maybe that, but probably Rocky. He had an uncredited credit. Was it actually for composing? Because he got best. no. It was just music department. Okay, that's interesting because he did get, and I'll get to that one, but he got an Oscar nomination for that particular film. So he must have just kind of been dabbling in other areas of the music department. Mm, but he's a, da- he's a dabbler. He's a dabbler. So among his credits earlier in his career, he composed on Harry and Tonto. And then, yes, he gets um, actually Best Original Song Oscar nom for Rocky. And then, I mean, iconic score. So he comes back for two, three, skips four. Comes back for five and Rocky Balboa. Okay. So there's that. He did a film. It's like stylized with F period, I period, S period, T period. So fist. (laughs) Got that. Gloria, Private Benjamin. So to your point, he got another best original song Oscar nomination for Your Eyes Only. Yeah. He's got all these uncredited credits. Music department, conductor, uncredited credit. All, all for your eyes only. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, got a Best Original Score Oscar for The Right Stuff. Mm, that's a good movie. That, I remember that movie. We could do that one. Yeah, we could. I mean, it's they're both in the 80s, The Abyss, The Right Stuff. For some reason, it angered my dad that he only saw that one guy in a spacesuit. <laughs> sure. He's like, oh, I can't even see him in a movie unless he's in a spacesuit. That's funny. Which then he also Ed did Harris. Apollo. Yeah, yeah, he also yeah. did Apollo thirteen. Yeah, no spacesuit. But no spacesuit. <laughs> um, so here's the other one that I think Conti is probably very well known for: The Karate Kid. Yes. So he did the original as well as part two, three, and the next Karate Kids. He also composed for Baby Boom, A Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon, Lean on Me, the nineteen ninety nine. Thomas Crown Affair, which mm. isn't so bad. No. Um, and I just love this title, Two Birds with One Stallone. <laughs> I like so, that. Yeah. So that's some of his work. Bill Conti. Okay. So moving on to film editing. Uh, yeah. we We've definitely brought this gentleman up actually a couple of times. And you. What's his name? Love making this joke oh yeah every time who who could it be richard marx oh my god it's richard marx not the same (laughs) richard oh man so he's no longer with us he passed away in 2018 um for this film he also got an oscar nomination for best film editing and let's see the last time it's been it's been a while since we have brought him up so we're going to we're going to go through some of his greatest hits so among some of his credits, he cut Bang the Drum Slowly, 
early on, he did Serpico as well as The Godfather Part Two. Mm. Um, he got an uh, he was part of the editorial department for Apocalypse Now, so he was included in that group for that film's right. best film editing Oscar. He did Pennies from Heaven. He also so probably had a relationship with Brooks because he worked on Terms of Endearment. Okay. Got an Oscar nomination for film editing on that. Now, some of the films that he has done that we've already covered, he cut. So he goes from Terms of Endearment to The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. That just doesn't make any sense to me, but I have to accept it. It is reality. Yeah. He cut that film. Yeah. So he did that. Um, probably at some point we will do St. Elmo's Fire. I'm kind of shocked we haven't done Pretty in Pink yet. That will I am too, yeah. probably come up. He also did come up when we did Say Anything. Mm -hmm. So he cut that. He did Dick Tracy, the Steve Martin version of Father of the Bride. Things to do in Denver when you're dead. Again, he teams up with Brooks and gets an Oscar nomination for Best Film Editing for As Good As It Gets. He did You've Got Mail, Spanglish, Julie in Julia, and then his final credit was How Do You Know. Okay. So. He also, uh, he did uh, a Michael Crichton book that's not Jurassic Park called Timeline with uh, Paul Walker about someone going back in time. That's why it's called Timeline. Oh. But it's not bad. Okay. Not a bad movie. It's not a great movie. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, we are at the stars of this film, and there are several. Um, I mean, we already brought up Nicholson. He's like one of the more minor he, <laughs> characters yeah, in the entire film. Yeah. So we're going to start with William Hurt. It's So between Hurt, Brooks, and Hunter, like honestly, like it's interesting too, the way that they, because they all got nominated, but um, it's interesting how they broke down that William Hurt, he got nominated for Best Actor, mm -hmm. and then Brooks got nominated for Best Supporting Actor, which That's <laughs> there's always kind of, which is funny because I think as that character, he'd be so angry yes. that he got Best Supporting yes, Actor. Yes, that's exactly yeah. what these two characters would be fighting yeah, about. And exactly. Hurt, Hurt wouldn't even be fighting about it because he'd just be like, yeah, of course. And the thing is, neither one, but I wonder, because like they, they do that. Like they, um, I don't know what the rules are for how you qualify for actor versus, you know, supporting actor with the Oscars or actress for that matter. But it's like sometimes they finagle things so that they try to help particular actors have a okay. better chance of winning. They don't like really like pitting actors from the same movie in the oh, same category. Okay. So sometimes they like cancel each other out. Well, it, there's still a choice there that you're making about like, well, we don't want you fighting for the same role, but we also think that you're the one who right. No, should, that's what I'm. Yeah. yeah. So William Hurt, um, he plays Tom Grunick. Yeah, Grunick. Yeah, and just uh, say it super fast. No one even know Grunick. if you're saying. Yeah, perfect. He has passed. He passed away actually a year ago this month, mm. and or as a month as of this taping. So. Uh, he was he was a phenomenal actor, and he had a really great eighties. He he did really. I mean, he was working. He just had a really great. He had career. a really great career yeah. for sure. His eighties, yeah. though. I mean, so many high profile projects. Yeah. But uh, to kick things off, so he. I'm gonna say he did. He did not exclusively work in film, but 
most of the credits that I have for him are film credits. Okay. So we have Altered States, Body Heat was like a huge film for him. He was in The Big Chill. So he gets a best, he gets his first, well, the rest are nominations, but he gets a best actor Oscar for Kiss of the Spider Woman. Hmm. He also gets a best actor Oscar nomination for Children of a Lesser God. What a, what a title. Yeah, Marley Matlin, she won for her her role in that. Hmm. So, and at the time of her winning, I think she was like the youngest at the time. He was in Accidental Tourist, Alice, Jane Eyre, Dark City. That's such a good movie. Lost in Space. That's also a movie. <laughs> AI, Artificial Intelligence, which is like funny that Spielberg decided to name his film that because it's absolutely redundant ai means artificial intelligence <laughs> it but does in any case <laughs> famously um so he was in one of the Shyamalan movies he was in the village yes yeah, yeah he did my, good he was perhaps good. my favorite of his movies mine would be signs yeah yeah it's funny that neither one of us picked uh you know six cents yeah yeah, I've listened to a lot of podcasts about, because I listen to a lot of actually like horror podcasts. I love horror and both Sixth Sense and Signs come up a lot in some of the podcasts that I talk about. And it's just funny, some of the comments that are said about, um, I don't, I don't want to speak poorly because Bruce Willis is going through a really challenging time in his life at the moment. Yeah. Um, but there are comments about like his acting in the film and whether or not it really works for the character. Or if he just thought like this is, movie is not going to be anything, <laughs> so like oh. that informed. Anyway, it was interesting. But then also there are like there's conversation around signs because of Mel Gibson's and like so. I thought like I, I wasn't really thinking of them because they almost they're they're M Night movies, but right. the Unbreakable. Sure. Unbreakable, Split, and then Glass. Yeah, I think are the three. Those are all Bruce Willis, right? Yeah, all he's in all. Of them. He's yeah, in all those. Although all technically, spoilers, he's only in like the last thirty seconds of Split. That's right. Which it's was like, one of the greatest reveals. Yeah, it's like the isn't aren't they like in a um they're like diner? A, yeah, and or something. Throughout the entire movie of Split, you have no idea that this is connected to anything. It just works very well as its own standalone movie, and at the end they like bring it all together and it was, it was just amazing. That's cool. Yeah. I love then, when they do that. And then glass didn't really like it. it also sure. was a movie. Yeah. Sure. Well, getting back to William Hurt and the eighties and the eighties, he gets another, this time it's best supporting actor nomination for a history of violence. He did into the wild and you know, he's part of the MCU. Um, first he was in the incredible Hulk mm -hmm. And now I'm kind of putting in there a couple T like now he's doing some TV. So he was on the TV show Damages as well as Humans. And then, you know, like I said, he's part of Marvel, Marvel Universe. He was in Captain America Civil War, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. Um, up until the time of his passing, he continued to work. He did the TV series Condor. Um, has one last appearance in a Marvel movie. He was in Black Widow, and then he also was on the TV show Goliath. The interesting thing is that he was in, um, like the Incredible Hulk movie. Was it the one with uh, Norton? 
I think so. Where he is General Thunderbolt Ross. And then he gets, he gets quite, a promotion. quite a promotion to Secretary of State. Let's let's drop the Thunderbolt. Let's be Thaddeus Ross. There you go. Yeah, got to be, be professional. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so moving on to Albert Brooks, he plays Aaron Altman, mm-hmm. and like we mentioned, he gets Best Supporting Actor recognition. He doesn't win, but he gets a nomination. And among some of his credits, I mean, I think I have, except for The Simpsons, which he does has done voice work for. Yeah, uh, all film work. So we have Taxi Driver, Real Life, Private Benjamin. He does some like voice work, actually, interestingly, in okay. terms of endearment. He was in probably, mm, I'm going to say like maybe outside, well, outside of animation and outside of this film, probably I'm going to say most people know him for Lost in America or maybe Defending Your Life. One of those two. Okay. I think I think those are some of his more popular films. He did I'll Do Anything, The Scout, Mother, not not the mother with the exclamation point, but a <laughs> different mother, Out of Sight. And then what I was alluding to a second ago is that he is like a very prominent voice actor in Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. Oh, okay. So he's in that. Cool. This is 40. He does more voice work. Um, we went and saw this, The Secret Life of Pets. We did, yeah. That had one of the, had a fantastic marketing campaign. It did. With just like the heavy metal poodle. Yes. Rocking out when the- Yes, when the I laughed blues. every time. Yeah. Every time. Um, and like I mentioned, he's done voice work for The Simpsons. Okay. Moving on to Holly Hunter. So she plays Jane Craig. She gets a Best Actress Oscar nomination. And, I mean, she is an Oscar-winning actress. I mean, probably, I don't know if I'd say, like, infamously, but, like, it is so interesting that she won Best Actress for The Piano, where she says, like, nothing. Although she does narration for portions of the film. All right. Yeah. Have you ever seen that film? No. Oh, really? I've not. Is there a piano in it? I just don't know what I think of that film. Jane Campion. That was a Jane Campion film. And she was actually nominated for Best Director for that. How does it compare to Raising Arizona in her (laughs) performance as Ed? I mean, it shows that she has like crazy range. Okay. For her to, yeah. I mean, those could not be on more opposite ends of the spectrum. Okay. Raising Arizona and the piano. Holy cow. It's kind of crazy. Um, Yeah. I mean, she's had quite a career. Obviously still very much working. Um, earlier in her career, she's in The Burning, Swing Shift, you just mentioned. So she, I don't know. Do you think Raising Arizona is like her breakout role? I don't. I wouldn't say so, no. Yeah. I think she, this movie probably would be more maybe, than that. Yeah. Uh, she was in the film Always. And then, like I mentioned, she actually gets her Oscar for just one. Yeah, she's been nominated since. But her one Oscar win is for The Piano. She gets a Best Supporting Actress nomination for The Firm. I want to say it was the same year. I think she was nominated for both in the same year. It's a good year. Yeah. Yeah. She was in Copycat, Home for the Holidays, A Life Less Ordinary, Living Out Loud. She's great. Absolutely great in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm -hmm. Another Cohen film. Um, She gets another Best Supporting Actress nomination for 13. She's also done voice work, so probably an entire generation maybe knows her as, like, Mrs. Incredible. Elastigirl. Elastigirl. Sorry. My apologies. (laughs) I should have just... Yeah. 
So she's done that. Um, she has done some TV work and continues to. So she's been on Saving Grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, she plays a really interesting role in Batman v Superman, Donna Justice. Yeah, she does. She's a senator. Senator and does not have a great relationship with um Lex. Yeah, with Lex. Luthor. Yeah. I think she gets blown up, right? She does. Yeah, so Yes. Yeah. She's in the big sick. I like her a lot in that. She's she's good in that. And then more TV work succession and the best show that I have not watched a single episode of. Well, I think it's like what it's last man. Um, I just wait until they're done now because every time I get interested well, in the show, Brian Cox, man, he's like extremely vocal about like he's glad that they're going into the last season. I guess like I think he's like not he doesn't get along well with some of his co. I don't, yeah, it looks like they keep on asking him what his thoughts are on, like, method acting. Yeah. So I don't know if one of the co-stars... And he thinks it's, like, a bunch of BS. Yeah. Well, I wonder, like, maybe he tries method acting for all his McDonald's commercials. I don't know. Oh, you're talking about the Caddyshack spoof? No, I'm just... I'm just... I'm talking about, like, you know, I don't really know if I'm going to worry too much about what your thoughts on, like, acting are when all I hear from you is... Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Is that him? Isn't it? That's Brian Cox? Man, I think it is. Now, But now I'm going to have well, to look it up. Well, that's called the action. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> has nothing to do with the film. <laughs> okay, so moving on to Robert Prosky. So he's the, the elder gentleman who I want to say is the executive producer of the news. Okay. And he gets um, replaced by Holly Hunter's character at the end of the film. So he has played, or sorry, like I'm, I'm naming him the actor's name. The character name was Ernie Merriman. So that's the character, Ernie. Okay. Played by Robert Prosky. Um, he's, he's not been with us for a bit. He passed in 2008. He had an interesting career because like he really spent the first half of his career not not in acting. He had his first credit when he was 41 years old. All right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So you mentioned this when we were watching. So you recognized him from the film Christine. I did, yeah. yeah. He's like the swarmy mm-hmm. garage shop owner mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. And that comes earlier in his second half acting career. Um, prior to that, he was in a film called Hanky Panky. Hmm. Uh, he also was in The Natural. Some people might know him from yes, that. Yes, he is kind of a swarmy guy in that, too. Yeah. Not a not a great dude. He was in Outrageous Fortune. I think when I see clips from, like, Hill Street Blues, I think that he's a familiar face from that show. He was in Hill Street Blues. Okay. Um, mostly after that, I have all film work. So Big Shots, The Great Outdoors, hmm. Gremlins 2, The New Batch, Far and Away. Who was he in Far and Away? Uh, he was in Hoffa. Was there a river in that one that ran through it? Or oh am, my I, gosh, am no. I just combining? You're just combining all these. No. <laughs> <laughs> he was in Last Action Hero, Rudy. Yeah, he was the, uh, he he ran the uh, cinema. Okay. I think in that movie, in Last Action Hero. Yeah. You know that film a little bit better than I do. Uh, he was in Mrs. Doubtfire, the 1994 Miracle on 34th Street. Dead Man Walking, Veronica's Closet. Isn't wasn't that 
Christy Alley? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> sorry, but I don't have it. <laughs> sorry, also, you know what? <laughs> Brian Cox did do McDonald's commercials, no, and that's fine. Did, did you just look that up? I did. As yeah, I was like listing off. And there's nothing. The... There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. No, I no, I wasn't implying that. I just. I just didn't want it to seem that I was. I was just commenting on like kind of the silliness of like doing all these McDonald's commercials. You better watch your style of acting, you little punks. I just thought that that was um, just like a funny, a funny thing for him to like. I just wouldn't have expected that. I've heard somebody else talk about like method acting, saying that you never see it where someone is adopting that style, playing a really nice character. It's always someone playing an asshole. Who decides to go deep into the method? Yeah. Well, like, um, oh my gosh. Uh, what's his name? The Joker that nobody liked. Um, the Joker that nobody liked. Uh, the actor who. Not Heath Ledger. Fr- no, 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 no. Of course not. Yeah. From Suicide Squad. Oh, Jared. Yeah. His, Leto? Leto? Yeah, yeah. Jared Leto? Thank you. I mean, there's a lot to be said around him. Like, he. There's just a lot of conversation that could be had about that. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. However, however, to, to your point, yeah, I read that he was like getting so into, yeah, like, the, he was like sending people dead rats. Yeah, he was sending like worse, that. worse, like, like, like yeah, anyway. he was sending some pretty grotesque stuff. Yeah, getting back to Mr. Prosky, I just the reason why <laughs> when you, <laughs> when you, how did we even end up here? Is that. I just hadn't written down that Veronica's Closet. Like, I always make a note that it is a TV show, and I hadn't. So I was like, was there a film version? But no, it was. I just forgot to write it. Fully TV. And then his final credit was called The Skeptic. Hmm. Okay, so moving on. This poor character, she doesn't... She kind of just goes away after a while. So the character of Jennifer Mack, who is the first person to kind of have a romantic entanglement with Tom. She's, like, full-on sent out to Alaska. Yeah, then she just kind of goes away. Like I don't even know if we know what happened. What happens to her when they have all the layoffs? Uh, now I know what I remember her from. Now that I'm kind of perusing okay. the credits, I'll, I'll probably go there in just a second. Yeah. Um. So played by Lois, I'm gonna say Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's the name? No, you say it. You say it. Uh, what was? Chile's, yeah. No, I, just... I know, I know. We don't have to talk about that on the podcast, okay? I know, I know why you're laughing. That is a non-podcast topic. Okay, anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, Lois. Yes. Um. Yeah. I mean, I really liked her, and like I said, it's kind of a shame that I wonder if some of her scenes got cut because she does just kind of go away halfway through the film. Yeah. But among some of her credits, we have The Way We Were. She was in the 1974 Great Gatsby, as well as the 78 Death on the Nile. So do you know her from Moonraker? I do, yeah. There you go. That's what I remember from. Yeah. She was on the TV show Dallas. She was in Creepshow 2. This is interesting. So I think... I'm trying to remember. When we covered Say Anything, I am not remembering. Is there actually a scene with Diane and her mother? Do we ever? I think there might be. She's uncredited, but she's Diane's I mother. I think so, actually. I think yeah. there might be one scene with Diane and her mother. So she's she is that character. Okay. She was in Speed 2 Cruise Control. 
as well as a film called Kettle of Fish. Oh. Yeah. All right. Okay, so moving on to the character of Blair Lytton, Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack was actually, I thought, great casting because she had that same, like, manic energy that Mm -hmm. Holly Hunter's character has. Like, there's a scene when they're, like, in the beginning of the movie when they're trying to, like, get something out with, like, just a few seconds left and they're all losing their minds. Yeah. It was amazing. And she, like, for no reason at all runs into the water fountain. Yeah, it was, like, anxiety. (laughs) It was just like an anxiety simulator. She look, I love Joan Cusack. So I'm not I'm not coming at Joan Cusack. Why are you coming at Joan Cusack? I do though really love her relationship with Jane. I think that they work off of each other really well. It's just that there is, to your point, like a lot of manic energy. Yeah. It's it's a lot. I feel like that was intentional. Sure. Sure. Which to the like so much so that I don't know, at one point when when we were watching the film, I was like, is this really what it would be like? Like, it's like you would be having kind of a pseudo heart attack every day. You would be like weeping uncontrollably every day. I could not be in that environment. As as Holly Hunter's character did. Yes, as Jane did. yes, yes. Yeah. As a release. You're absolutely right. So John Cusack. Um, did I say John? You did. Joan. Joan Cusack. Joan down <laughs> she um she's had a great career i mean she's still obviously very much working uh you know some people might remember her way 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 earlier in her career as the teenager in 16 candles who has like the mm, yeah like neck brace headgear headgear is yep. it is it like a headgear and a oh, neck brace is it or is it just a headgear anyway um i just remember her getting a sip from the water fountain and then using like the skirt on her shirt. It was like a character on her (laughs) shirt and using the skirt of the character to wipe her mouth. Anyway, so that was 16 candles. She was in married to the mob. I mean, she plays kind of a similar character in working girl Hmm. for which she got a best supporting actress nomination. Yeah, she did. She was in say anything. And I think we, we bring her up, but she's actually uncredited yeah. in that film, which is so odd to me because she's like kind of a substantial character in it. it. It's weird. Yeah. It is weird. So she's in that. My Blue Heaven, Hero, Toys, Adam's Family Values, Karina Karina, Nine Months. She's great. I mean, not to say she's not great in any of those other roles, but she's great and gross point blank. Well, it's fun because she's like the manager or yes. she works with her brother mm-hmm. who is the, yeah, who's hitman. So her real life brother, but they're not brother and sister in the film. Correct. Yeah. yeah. But it is, it is very fun to see Joan and John playing off of each other. Especially they, do it a, in that film. they do it a couple times. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a couple crossovers. So she gets her second best supporting actress nomination for in and out with Kevin Klein. That was a fun movie. Yeah. Yeah. She's in that. Runaway Bride, she too does voice work. So she was in Toy Story 2, 3, and 4. Okay. So isn't she the little girl cowboy? She's uh, Jessie. Cowgirl, I I should say. She was in Where the Heart Is. She's done TV work. She was um, on the show called What About Joan? No. What about her? Yeah. She's... She was in School of Rock. More TV work. She does voice work for a TV series called Peep and the Big Wide World. Sounds like it's probably for kids. Looks like it. Yeah. 
perks the perks of being a wall wallflower. Okay. Why is that hard for me to say wallflower? It's a little bit of a tongue twister. Wallflower. Yeah. Yeah. She was on the TV show Shameless, and then she does more voice work in the film Klaus. Like she Santa was uh, in one episode of The Office as Aaron's biological mother. Who was she? That was um, Kimmy Schmidt. That's basically. right. Yeah. That's right. I had forgotten about that. Okay. So moving. On. So you mentioned this guy at the top of our conversation. His character name is Paul Moore. I wouldn't necessarily expect anybody to remember that character name, but he is portrayed as like kind of the head of the network. Mm-hmm. And he was played by a gentleman named Peter Hacks is the way I'm going to say that. So he, he didn't have a long career post broadcasting. I mean, he was already an older gentleman in this film. He passed away all the way back in 1994. Okay. So he's been passed for almost 30 years and he wasn't really like a, a huge actor. He was actually like an actual news correspondent. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. That's cool. He worked for NBC. Okay. So like that was his thing. And he just has two acting credits like this in True Colors. That's so, incredible. Yeah. I mean, he did really good. He didn't, he did really good. I think that he was obviously selected for his experience in this field to play this character. I would, I would say. I thought, I, I would not have guessed that he wasn't like a long time. Right professional act like that he I wouldn't have guessed that he'd only been in a couple of roles because right. he you know maybe it's because he just brought enough he seems of his very own comfortable yeah in the role yeah yeah it's like the david wallace character in the office exactly yeah. that's exactly what it is so yeah that that is his acting resume so moving on to bobby you recognized him right away i did yeah yeah so bobby is played by an actor named christian clemenson and He's kind, he's like one of those guys where you're like, oh, I know that guy's face. Mm. Like, because he's just been in it. Very ton. much. Yeah. yeah. Lots of TV appearances. We will go over some that he had like recurring roles, but like just a lot of like one-offs and that sort of thing in the world of television. Also a ton of film work. So, early, well, okay. Just for some clarification, Bobby is the gentleman on Tom's first day at the station, he walks into... He's also helping out when they're... We talked about that, like, really anxiety-inducing yes. moment where they're trying to put it all together. He was also involved in putting that yeah, together. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's, like, the blonde guy with the glasses who is helping Jane get the segment together at literally the last minute. Yeah, they had, like, a 90-second countdown at one point. Yeah. So... His work includes Hannah and Her Sisters, Legal Eagles, Heartburn. There is a 1987 film called Black Widow that All he right. is in. Yeah. Not, I don't Probably the same any, thing. <laughs> nothing to do with, yeah. with Marvel. No, yeah. um, among some of his TV credits, we have a show, Don't Know It, called Capital News. Hmm. But he was in The Fisher King. He also was in Hero. He was in The Big Lebowski. I think you mentioned that one, too. I, yeah, I, I recognize him, but it's, yeah, I think he's just like a cop or something okay. in that, but Apollo 13 definitely stands out. He... Frisco County. <laughs> <laughs> the TV show, not the film, because yes. there is no film. He uh, was in Armageddon, Mighty Joe Young, United 93, and then more TV work. So we have Boston Legal, CSI Miami, 
American Crime Story. And then more recently with film work, he was in the film Malignant. All right. So, all right. So here's the thing. Okay. It is our final character that we're covering. It's somebody that we've already brought up a couple times over the course of our conversation. Well, Jack we Nicholson. Wanna, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. should talk about him, huh? We should. And we should. Like, he, it's interesting because like he, he's in so little of this movie. He is looked at like, he is kind of this veteran correspondent or reporter. I don't know the terminology how like they differ from each other but he's like the big head honcho reporter yeah everybody seems to kind of like be weirdly intimidated by him he has a lot of power i guess he has a lot of power um you know we were talking about the clip where like so spoiler at the end of this film there's like a ton of layoffs and the head like the head of the network is even kind of cowering around him and makes a bad joke about how, well, if you took a couple million off your salary, we could save some jobs. And he just kind of looks at him <laughs> and right away he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, bad joke. Just totally kidding. Of course. He backpedals quite a bit on that. Yeah. So it's a really interesting role. He plays the character Bill Rorish, but he's maybe in it for five minutes. Yeah. Really not a long time at all. Like it's, it's not much. Barely a cameo. If you want to know more about uh, Mr. Jack Nicholson, we've covered him. We have. We've covered him a couple times, so you can definitely go back. I mean, all the way back in season one, I think, is the first time he comes up well, for The Shining. I apologize in advance for anyone listening oh, to us. Oh, <laughs> it's not that bad. And then I'll actually, also, so it probably has been a minute, but we brought him up for The Shining and Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, we encourage you to go back to those two episodes. I mean, there are a lot of other films in the future that we could cover that would like qualify definitely um, with him in it. Where he's featured more prominently, let's say. Yeah. So I'll just do like a quick rundown because it has been a while. Although it feels like I'm just doing it because he's Jack Nicholson, um, even though he's barely in this movie. He was in the 1960. Little Shop of Horrors. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, he is probably one of the more acclaimed Oscar winners. He gets his first supporting actor nomination for Easy Rider. He gets a Best Actor nom. I mean, he just had a great 70s. Uh, he get and 80s for that matter. Mm-hmm. He And 90s for that matter. I mean, he's just <laughs> had an amazing career. So he gets um, a lot of nominations. I think he's like, what? At four, maybe four wins. He gets a Best Actor nomination for Five Easy Pieces, as well as The Last Detail, as well as Chinatown. Mm. He wins for... One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? There you go. Yeah. Yep. I I don't even have that open. I just knew that. No, totally. So that's his, like, first big win. He does The Missouri Breaks, The Shining, The 1981, The Postman Always Rings Twice, he gets a Best Supporting Osc- Actor Oscar nomination. It's a mouthful for Reds. Oscar. We'll just call them Oscars. <laughs> he gets his next Oscar win in the supporting category for Terms of Endearment. All right. Uh, he also came back for its sequel. I don't think most people are. The Evening. Yes. Star. Star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he gets another nomination, Best Actor for Pritzi's Honor. He does Heartburn. The Witches of Eastwick, like we mentioned, Batman, which he should have, honestly, he should have gotten a nomination for that role. For his portrayal of the Joker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think so. He definitely should have. He gets another Best Actor nomination for Ironweed. Personally, I think he also should have won for A Few Good Men. Oh, yeah. I could watch his speech at the end of that film on repeat. I mean, he's not that that's probably the most iconic moment with him in that movie, but it's not the like he's it's not like broadcast news. Like sure. he's in that movie yes, very much so. enough to where it would have been deserved. He is like I said had and, and it seems like he has retired. It seems like he is kind of donezo. And with... famously huge Lakers fan. Huge Lakers fan, yeah. 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 Um I I just yeah, he is I know you're supposed to like hate him in that movie, but I love him in that movie. Yeah. He does Hoffa, Wolf, Mars Attacks. Like I mentioned earlier in our conversation, he gets his next Oscar for... So I think he's won three. He gets his next Oscar win for As Good As It Gets. He gets another Oscar nomination for About Schmidt. He's in Anchor Management. Something's Gotta Give. One of his last credits was The Departed, Mm. which kind of shocked he didn't get nominated for that. Uh, he was in the bucket list. And then as of right now, as of 2010, um, or I should say like, yes, I know it's 2023, but his last <laughs> credit as of now was in 2010. Okay. Okay. For How Do You Know? So a, a Brooks film. All right. So, all right. Film synopsis. I'll, let me, let me take it this time because oh, I, sure. I just, I hate it so much that okay. I just, I want to actually be able to read it. Okay. <clears throat> take two rival television reporters. One handsome, one talented, both male. Add one producer, female. Mix well and watch the sparks fly. I hate that. It's not good for <laughs> a lot of reasons. I, yeah, yeah. I, I get that there's kind of like this like... Obviously, there's like a love triangle going on. So to some degree, I understand bringing up the fact that it's like two guys, one girl, whatever. But... I feel like it's really kind of dumbing down yeah. what the film is about. Yes, that is a huge part of it. The fact that there's all these kind of like mixed signals between the three main people never really quite works out. But it's much more than that. Like, I think that it's interesting, like, because, you know, one thing that you and I were talking about. So at the end, you know, Jane confronts Tom at the airport because she is incensed about what he did, which was uh, tape himself crying yeah. over this, like, really serious news segment that he did. Boy, would her character be upset at the news today. And that's what's interesting, because you and I were like, well, isn't that bad? Like, not great, but maybe we're just too jaded about the state of journalism in 2023. Yeah. I feel like it would be great if I could get that worked up over what he did, because there's just so much other nonsense that it's like, well, okay. I'm not super upset about it, but should he have done that? Probably not. Love them or hate them. Jane and Aaron have like the utmost respect for like the integrity of journalism. They do, but it's also, (laughs) It's also because they are, you know, there's that conversation earlier where the um, character says like, oh, it must be nice being like the smartest, always being the smartest person in the room. It's like they place not only like this um, level of importance over like the, the news itself, but also like for themselves, like 
they, yeah. they they think a lot of this like stuff is just beneath them and beneath like reporting generally. But that and that circles back to like why I have a problem with the synopsis because they really like whoever wrote this just boils it down to like sexual tension yeah. between the three main characters. And yes, that it, I'm not denying that that's a huge part of the film, but it's not the only part of the film and it completely glosses over what what is happening in the movie in terms yeah. of like trying to report the news the fact that these layoffs so like there's already this really early indication in 1987 film yeah. about the drop-off and like the way that people prioritize serious journalism mm-hmm. and the news so anyway it just i get upset at some of the synopses mm-hmm. because they just don't I, I get that it's difficult sometimes to come up with like a you know one or two liner to give you an idea of what you're going to watch. But this, this is just like for a different movie. Right. Cause if I, if I saw this and I'm like, sure, I'll give this. No, it's not even like, eh, I guess a little bit, but there's like a lot there's more going so on. There's so much more. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, they could have these, they could have just made it like Jack Nicholson lays off some people in this movie. <laughs> there's your synopsis. <laughs> on that note, let's get into it with our special guest, Jennifer. Let's do it. All right. I am so very excited to have this guest on the show. So Derek and I have been very lucky because over the course of this podcast, we've been able to have on some really tremendous people and they often are pulled from kind of different parts of our lives. I've had, we've had a couple guests that were my peers and fellow students during my time at UCLA when I did the professional program there. And I've also had some really wonderful mentors and instructors from my time when I was a student at Columbia College in Chapman. The guest we have today is the most awesome mashup of both those. She was one of my wonderful instructors when I was at UCLA, and I am so grateful and excited to have Jennifer Fisher on the show. Jennifer is a television writer and producer. Some of her credits include Titus, Wanda at Large, the Bill and Bulls show, and Ellen. That's all in addition to her multiple pilot deals, her writing consulting, personal coaching, the memoir that she's currently working on, and of course, as I mentioned, her teaching at UCLA. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> we, I was personally really stoked when we were talking about you coming on and we were, you know, going back and forth about possible movie options. And when you brought up broadcast news, I was really so excited because this is a film I've loved and just hadn't had the chance to talk about on this podcast. So Derek and I were talking, like when we always, as we do watch the movie ahead of our guest coming on and we were talking about how this one, it, there's a lot, I think I even said so in a previous episode, there's like a lot to chew on. There's a lot going on yeah. in this film, Yeah, turns out. So yes. <laughs> we're going to dive in. And as I do, really my only opener question that I ever have is just, if you have any initial memories of when you first saw this movie, or if you have any recollection of what like your initial response was to seeing it. Oh, man. I mean... <laughs> This is this is going to become, you know, the the history of Jennifer Fisher podcast. Um, <laughs> awesome. And also, by the way, if you guys say anything bad about this movie, I'm going to find out. 
afterwards, <laughs> and I'm going to come for you. <laughs> you, um, you certainly will, and, and we won't, but you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes, I, I do remember very clearly seeing this movie. I mean, I can't tell you with whom I saw sure. it, but... You know, I was probably 20 or 21 when this movie came out and I was in, in film school. And um, aside from that, I was already pretty much in love with everybody that had to do with this movie, including Jim Brooks as a okay. writer. I mean, I feel like mm. he was probably at that time, you know, one of my spirit animals and I didn't <laughs> even realize it. I mean, if you go back to Mary Tyler Moore and Taxi and I mean, everything he did, Rhoda and Phyllis. And um, and then on top of that, Terms of Endearment, which came out mm-hmm. a few years before, which was also, it just blew me away. One of my still, to this day, favorite movies. Um, so, and then I was also kind of already in love with Holly Hunter from Raising Arizona. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and William Hurt, uh, I mean... I was really in love with him. Um, Big Chill was one of my favorite movies. And all of these were coming at a time when, you know, I was in my early 20s and even late teens um, and really forming, not even realizing what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be as an artist. And, and you know, Albert Brooks as well. I think I had maybe seen Lost in America. He, he's, so all to say I was really, really anticipating the release of this movie. I couldn't wait to see it. So I think I saw it on Christmas Day. I think that's when it opened. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so the other thing I I really remember about that time was um, I I was in film school, but there was still a part of me that I had 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 kind of maybe a a possible fantasy or dream about working in, in news. Okay. So, um, so when I saw it and when I saw, and Holly Hunter, I mean, she was probably one of the strong, that was probably one of the strongest performances by a woman and the strongest female character in a lead that I feel like I had ever seen. And maybe we had all ever seen at that, Mm -hmm. at that time. So, so I just remember being, you know, that was like the first (laughs) Christmas day was probably the first of 20 times I saw that movie afterwards, you know, because I just was so, I, I, I was so enthralled by all of it, you know, by the, the, the performances, the script, how it made me feel. I, I think maybe I wanted to, I don't know if I was in love with Holly Hunter or if I just wanted to be that type of character. I, you know, in retrospect, I feel like I probably was, very inspired by her strength, you know, as a woman and that character, Jane Craig. So anyway, I do remember what I remember is very much waiting for, like, I couldn't wait for it to open. And then after I saw it, I just, I feel like I was just a changed person. Like I just wanted to see it over and over again (laughs) for many reasons. That's so, I mean, man, you brought up a lot of really great points. I think one of the things I'm really kind of latching onto is the anticipation around the film coming out because I guess maybe that my go-to when I think about people having that kind of anticipation for a film, it's usually, you know, um, a huge, like an Indiana Jones movie or a Star Wars movie, you know? And so at the time was broadcast news 
a film that like what was the do you remember what the conversation was around it like was it because of the actors in the film or James Brooks or or maybe a combination thereof of why people were excited about this movie I don't know if other people were excited about it okay <laughs> 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 Meaning, you know, I, I really like when I zero in on people or, or, you know, performances, actors, writers, everything, I zero in. So I just remember, I mean, terms of endearment just really changed me, you know, and um, again, in retrospect, I can see it was I was really um, being drawn to all of these mm-hmm. incredibly prolific um, not only performances, but pieces of work, right? Writing mm-hmm. and directing. So I think I, I had seen the trailers. I remember that. And I just remember I, I loved all of them and I couldn't wait for it to come out. Yeah. In terms of you being a fan of James Brooks, because um, when you were first, when you were answering my first question and you were bringing up all those amazing television series that he had created or had at least written on, um, it seems like like that is definitely where his career kind of started. And then he definitely, obviously, ventured over into film. So were his TV shows then the, sh- the shows that you grew up on? Like, did you have a, a home where that's what your family enjoyed watching? Like, is that how you kind of latched onto his work? Well, definitely Mary Tyler Moore Show and okay. all of the spinoffs, yeah. Rhoda, uh, sure. Rhoda, Phyllis, and Taxi. I mean, yeah, those were my favorite shows growing up, my favorite sitcoms. And he created all of them. And what's interesting, yeah, no, he's, uh, and then, (laughs) and then The Simpsons, (laughs) like the guy. And The Simpsons, and then. The Simpsons. uh, Yeah, and Tracy Ullman, which is, you know, where The Simpsons. Yeah. That's where they started. They started as those little short films on the Tracy Ullman show, The Simpsons. They were, they looked, I mean, they've evolved quite a bit. Sure. I feel like it's a it's a little bit more polished now yeah. than what you saw. But that's they've had what, thirty some years yeah. to <laughs> Yeah. You know, what what so this was actually the first time that I that <clears throat> I like watched broadcast news. Mm-hmm. And so what struck me was the way in which they how they portrayed like the process. Yeah. How they were delivering news to people. Mm-hmm. And particularly like Holly Hunter and Brooks' character, how how seriously they took it. Mm-hmm. I mean, as evidenced by their reaction to what Hurt's character, sure. what they realized they did, that was something that really like stood out to me, having never seen it and kind of realizing what our news is like now. Mm-hmm. It was such a like contrast. So, what I I don't know, like I don't think I've ever really thought of the news that way. Mm-hmm. But thinking back on it, how do how do you? What what are your thoughts on that and that mm-hmm. contrast between it's a great like question. how we thought about the news then versus how we all suffer through it now? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think what comes forward for me is what also comes forward for me about the world of television now. That back then it it was literally CBS, ABC, and NBC, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, there were three networks. And um, so I don't know if that means that there was more integrity. You know, obviously, I don't know that world. Um, but w- one of the things that I think I'm just going to monologue freely is um, That's why I, <laughs> yeah, why I was so drawn to 
Holly's Jane Craig and, and even Albert Brooks's Aaron is because of their um, integrity and ethics and morality and, and how, how much they, you know, how important the news and doing it right was for them. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, to me off of your question, all I heard was it was so much simpler then, you know, mm-hmm. um, and now it's just like this onslaught. So I'm not yeah. sure if that answers your question. No, I, um, I, I- I think it, I think it does. And, and those two characters contrasted with Tom, like Tom is kind of giving everyone back then in the eighties, a little, a little insight <laughs> into what it was going it to go. like, really yeah. turn into. Yeah. Well, that, so that I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up, Derek, and we'll kind of be bouncing around, um, you know, multiple aspects of the film. And I know this comes at the end, but when Jane does confront Tom at the airport about, what he did and the fact oh it's so good it well that so that is what was really interesting about our responses because we were like are we so jaded that because we we were really surprised by how upset she was because it had been a while since i'd seen it too so like i i didn't recall the like intensity of her disappointment and anger at him for for doing that. And so Derek and I were like, are we the ones that have been just so conditioned <laughs> to think that it's not a big deal? Like should like should we care more? I felt like I should have been upset about how yeah. I was not upset. Yeah. So it it's hard not to watch it now after years of I guess being conditioned in a certain way to accept a certain kind of journalism. Like news as entertainment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So at the time, like, since you have such clear memories of seeing this the first time, Jennifer, do you, what what was your response to, I mean, you just said, oh, it was so good. So what was, how did you feel in that moment when Jane was confronting Tom? Were you also in feeling that same kind of like anger towards him for what he did? What As a viewer, what, how did you feel? It's not that I was feeling, and, and so I, I love this this discussion. No, I wasn't feeling anger at him. It was the perfect, from what they set up in the beginning, of how, you know, basically he really was personifying everything she's against, right? Yeah. This yeah. The integrity. And I really feel like, the, you know, Jim Brooks and Holly Hunter in her, in her portrayal of Jane, it was very clear how conflicted she was. I mean, this is one of the things that I I loved so much about this movie and why I feel like, I mean, to me, it will always remain one of the most realistic love triangles and, and even the outcome. It, to mm-hmm. me, this is real life. And you really were feeling like, oh, well, wait, I want her to be with Aaron, but I also kind of want her to be, there's so much this, but then I'm not sure who I want her to be with. So back to that moment in the airport, I really did, I I thought it was all completely um, in line with Jane's belief system mm-hmm. and her, mm-hmm. ethic, her ethics and that what he did was he staged news. So that to her is... You know, it's it's like the hugest breach of ethics, which then says to 
to her, we're too different. There's no way mm-hmm. this could ever possibly work, even though there's this incredible chemistry. Mm-hmm. And and I, what I love about that scene, because of course I rewatched the movie, even though I've seen it so many times and I know it by heart, I haven't seen it in years. Um, I rewatched that scene and that scene was so compelling to me. Again, I don't know if it is because like I hear you when you guys are saying that you're, you're so jaded. Um, I felt like it was so real because he was kind of saying, yeah, well, they keep moving the line, don't they? And come on, let's just, yep, I I did do that. I did that, but come on, let's go talk about it. And you really are feeling that it was really fraught with, Mm -hmm. I wanted her to go on the plane. I remember the first time I saw it. I was like, well, go, just go. And then he's looking, I'm like, I wanted her to run to him. But then I also was really palpably feeling her internal conflict that <clears throat> she can't do it with this guy. And, and it's been, and she's been coming up against it the entire movie from the very beginning in that first scene. Tom had a lot of that energy because he, he was more than happy to create some sexual tension with Jennifer. <laughs> and then she ended up in Alaska with Jay. Oh yeah. No, yeah. Jennifer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's so many, I mean, I still laugh out loud. I still laugh out loud at so many places in this in this movie. <laughs> when they, in the background, Je- Jennifer, whatever her name was, Jennifer yeah. Mack, Woda Hamlet, yeah. Alaska. She's just miserable <laughs> on the screen. There, we definitely because there are several, and that is for sure one of them. Like literally, I at one point, and you probably know what scene I'm talking about. I was like crying because I was just like laughing so hard, and it'd been a while since I had let that scene wash over me, but. <laughs> One thing that I wanted to bring up real quick is in terms of like, cause when we're, we're talking about, you know, this, um, very fraught conversation between Jane and Tom at the airport. And then like, I'm thinking about all these sequences with these really emotionally charged conversations between the three leads and, I've always been so impressed, especially between Terms of Endearment, this film, and and my personal favorite of um, the Brooks films is I just – I love As Good As It Gets. It's not an 80s movie, but that mm. is my my favorite. And his way with words, it it's funny because it's, it's <clears throat> not like Aaron Sorkin where I'm like, people just don't talk that way. But <laughs> – <laughs> but um if only and, they did and i do and i aaron sorkin's great but like you know um i i think brooks though walks that really interesting line where he gives his characters really dynamic interesting dialogue that it's like it's like the highest that we can aspire to and what we hope we would say to somebody not to say that we that it also is like unrealistic but it's like that's the very best that we could say to somebody and just in real life we it's like what we think to ourselves when we're lying in bed oh i wish i would have said that Hmm. but i guess i put i put my cards on the table about how i feel about the dialogue in this film but jennifer i'm just curious what your thoughts are on that aspect of the film oh i mean I just feel like, yeah, I feel like this is a work of art in Mm -hmm. in so many ways. And I I also, you know, when you were talking, I was also flashing on, I bet Albert Brooks, you know, did a lot of, maybe, I don't know, um, maybe, maybe did some ad-libbing and maybe, I don't know how Jim works in that way, how he is with that, but this Mm -hmm. really, he very much felt like, Aaron very much felt like Albert Brooks, but I think, 
um, what I love about Jim Brooks is it is real, right? It's real. Mm-hmm. All of his, all of his dialogue, his characters. It, I agree with you about, you know, Sorkin and um, it's not as mannered or measured. And mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, to me, there, there are so many quotable lines in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just, and, you know, back to your first, how you started this little chunk. Um, that scene in the airport is incredible. And the scene, the scene um, shortly before, if you remember, between Albert Brooks and Holly Hunter after the the correspondence dinner when, you know, she tells him and they have that huge scene. Mm-hmm. To me, that is always on the top list of my top scenes in any movie ever. I think it is so compelling and the two of them and it is so real and you're feeling, it's so evocative. Like you're really feeling, I mean, Albert Brooks to me is on somewhat the soul of this movie, really, his character. You know, do you remember that moment when he says, and it's fresh in my mind because I just saw it, but in that scene where he says, and I'm in love with you, mm-hmm. and ba 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 ba, and then he sits down and he says, I've got to not say that out loud. It takes too much out of me. You know, like you're really, you're just feeling that. And, and oh, God, that scene is incredible between the, both Holly Hunter and, and Albert Brooks. You know, and then Jim Brooks throws in the levity, right? He throws mm-hmm. in the levity with um, the line here, or there. And, um, so to me, it's just a masterpiece. <laughs> I what I love the scene that you're speaking of it was an intense scene. Very, oh, for sure, yeah. for sure, it was an intense scene. And I, what I take away from that scene in particular is like the trust that I felt the actors had, like just this reciprocated trust between the director and the actors. And then the material that, you know, Brooks just happened to also write himself because, yes, he gave them really great material to, again, I'll use the phrase like chew on. But like, for instance, when Jane finally is, she's like, so like the way that she actually has like a kind of a verbally violent outburst at at Aaron and the fact that she because I feel like. Well, I don't know. Obviously, she is an amazing actor, but like to go to take it to that level and to feel like, okay, I I can do that and not have the director kind of like I feel like some directors might pull that back in a little bit, but I don't know. For some reason that was like a moment where I'm like, "Oh, I feel like there's just a lot of trust there." And and it worked. I you remember know? Yeah, that, that absolutely. scene because I I think I said something like this movie is like a roller coaster right yes. now. Yes. Yeah, that, that that part like had these like really intense highs, mm-hmm. and then they would pull it back just a, enough to where mm-hmm. they could kind of express their feelings, and then there would be another outburst, and I'm like, oh my god, this movie! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It gives you a moment to pause. Yeah, and I breathe. feel like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that scene was really the climax scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, there yes. were other In things fact- happened, but but that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking, like, I thought this movie was just about to end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it, it was rolling along, but it was, that's when everything turned. And every, you know, that was, that was probably in the, that was definitely in the third act, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it was kind of barreling towards the end and they went to the layoffs and, 
Um, and then it was pretty much barreling to the end, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And then you're feeling the, oh, I mean, cause again, that perfect portrayal of a love triangle, right? You're really, you're wanting, oh, like I wanted her to be in love with him, but then you're mm-hmm. also seeing that it, it, well, you know, he summed it up in that, if you remember in the, the scene before he says goodbye, right. You know, after they've laid off everything and she's, mm-hmm. she finds out that he, that he, you know, quit. And she says, will you meet me now? He's like, yeah, I'll meet you at the place by the thing where we went that time. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and they, and they, um, remember in that scene, she's like, you can't stay mad at me forever. Right. And he's, and he said, no, 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 here's what'll happen. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll stay in touch. Da, 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 la, la, la. Uh, we'll, we'll go to dinner every once in a while and still get hot for each other and never act on it. And that's really to me, that is the reality. Like they probably wouldn't have worked, mm-hmm. but this no, is I what I love. They were too yeah. similar. They, they, you, they were too yeah. You still alike. want, yeah. but you still wanted them. Like I definitely didn't want, I remember watching that scene again when I watched it the other night. Um, I was so happy that he softened at the end because I didn't want him to be mad at her. I loved them so much together, you know, even as friends and, and partners in crime as they have been. So yeah. One thing that I thought was, and that, that scene to me is indicative of like other moments scattered throughout the film because I was, we were talking about this, Derek, um, after we watched the movie in terms of something that I think, not, not to say that it's not done today, but maybe not, maybe not in such mainstream film. I think it's more, more so reserved for, you know, smaller indie. And what my long winded point is that, Brooks created characters that really are multidimensional. Yeah. And for all three of them, there are it, it I, I feel like I rarely root for certain aspects of characters and then also really and I and mm-hmm. I, this is not me disparaging the film because I think it's completely intentional, but like also really disliking certain aspects of them because he's creating real people. Yeah. And like, even Tom, like, even Tom, who even like Tom. ostensibly is is presented as the most shallow, is not. No, no, and he has he has a kindness to him. Uh, yeah. Like when Aaron is obviously nervous about his first big um, reporting gig, and Tom willingly is like, "Sure, I'll help you out." And in that scene at the cafe that you were referencing, Jennifer, I think what was interesting to me is at one point, you know. Aaron is talking about how he'll be walking with his son and he'll like tell his son not to make fun of, I think he's just like the fat lady, single fat ladies, the single single fat fat ladies. Yeah. (laughs) And, and I was like, Ooh, you know, that was, that was unnecessarily cruel, but I feel that reads real to me because that's still coming out of his hurt. And I feel like each of those characters in their own ways they do things or say things that aren't particularly kinder or nice, but it's authentically motivated because they are being portrayed as like dimensional characters and it is coming out of hurt or anger, whatever the emotion may be. And I was just, I, I just wanted to kind of make sure that we talked about that. Cause I was really curious how you felt about the characterizations. I mean, it's, it's clear that like you do love this movie and I love that you love this movie because this movie is awesome. But what in particular 
do you feel about the way that those characters were created? Well, I think that's one of the reasons why I love this movie so much is what you're saying. They are real. They are mm-hmm. three-dimensional. And that scene when he says, you know, and, and I'll say it's not nice to make fun of single fat ladies. Yeah. It is coming out of his hurt. And it does speak to, you know, going back to the trust thing you guys were talking about as actors. It spoke to this is a real messy relationship uh, conversation between two people who love each other. And he just... Mm-hmm. They've, they've been so close for so long. He just basically told her however many days before I'm in love with you and he's hurt. And yet they have this trust where they can still say anything. Mm-hmm. And it's why I love the way they wrapped the way they wrapped that scene up where they, they dialed him, you know, they dialed him back a little bit. He came back right mm-hmm. after that. And he said, no, no, no. That's when she said, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't stay mad at me forever. Right. right? And then he said, no, 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 blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, okay, great. Because they're, they're going to be okay. It's messy, but this is life. This is real yeah. life. It's why, it's why I love his James Brooks's movies, you know? Um, so everybody was real and nobody was cartoony. Everybody was three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I agree. It's one of the reasons why I think it's so moving. And so... Uh, relatable, which by the way, I, um, or not, by the way, I, to remind myself, I was like, what, how did this do with the Academy Awards? Did it win everything? And I, I went on to look and it won nothing <laughs> I know because it was up against last emperor and, yeah. and Holly Hunter, even Bill Hurt. Like it was, I think a lot of it to do, had to do with the competition, but for that specific year, but I really feel like this is one of the you know, the best screenplays, the best. Oh, ever. yes. You know, yeah. no. And, and just the magic, the magic that comes together, much like when Harry met Sally, by the way, um, the magic of casting mm-hmm. and an incredible writer, a screenplay, an incredible director, an incredible cinematographer. I mean, everything. Mm-hmm. It was just a, it was a, yeah, it just really had everything and it won nothing, which is so interesting. Well, I'm curious because we've touched on Jane's relationships with each of the two male leads. I I really want to know how you feel about the frenemy, maybe, relationship between Tom and Aaron. Oh, I love their relationship. I actually wish there were I wish there were more scenes with them. I do too. Yeah. Uh, um my favorite scene, my favorite scene with them is, I don't know if I'll remember the one, it's kind of early on or maybe in the middle and they're at the, whatever, they're outside on the, on the balcony or the patio yeah. and yeah. And, um, and he's, Albert Brooks is coming at him a little bit. I forget what, they just had this really great juicy conversation and, 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 and um, Tom, William Hurt says, you know, something like, I I made myself one promise when when I got this mm-hmm. job because I knew I was going to be able to like, be getting this for, but but I would never pretend to know more mm-hmm. than I do, right? And do you remember what come, comes next? Albert Brooks is like, "Can you name all the members of the cabinet?" Yeah. And then and then and Bill Hurt goes, uh, "Bill Bill Hurt goes, "Okay, I'm not going to do this with you. I'm not going to be tested by you." I mean, maybe if this came up in conversation, Albert Brooks, "What? We're conversing. Say, I forgot. Can you what can you name the members of the cabinet?" And he's like, "I'm not going to do it." Okay, well, at least tell me, do you know them all? 
Yes. All 12? Yes, Aaron. I know all 12. There's only 10. <laughs> yeah, he does always have to get the one up on him. <laughs> My, uh, it's so great. But and, and then and then it ended he then and then Bill Hurts like or Tom's like you're feeling pretty good right now, aren't you? Mm-hmm. I'm starting to, yes. So to your question, that scene to me between the two of them and I I, I loved their kind of bromance, really. I mean, bromance adjacent. Um, <laughs> what were you gonna say? Uh, the the, the part yeah. of that cover I think it's earlier in that conversation when Tom says, like, what what do you say when you've achieved everything that you want? Something mm-hmm. to that effect. And Aaron just says, you keep it to yourself. Yeah, keep it to yourself. <laughs> keep it to yourself. I mean, I I love the scenes with them. It's, I mean, I think it speaks to what you were saying, Jennifer, in terms of just the dynamic casting and how really these heavy hitters go, you know, head to head in terms of like, just like how great they are and the way that they play off each other. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love the scene where Tom is like legitimately trying to help. Like he's not trying to sabotage Aaron at all. Yeah. No. Um, mm-hmm. With, with his big, you know, reporting gig. And I mean, that's where you learn that he actually is much either smarter or more talented, or he knows he, yeah. has, he has a very specific skill set, but he is really good yes. at being on camera. Yes. And and it's not just this like and Aaron yes, is not you no know, and it, that's that's why I wanted to make sure we circle back to that <laughs> because you know Tom I think maybe for the first portion of the film maybe you're thinking it's just kind of this like natural charisma that he has and yes there there is a lot of natural talent there but he he has his little tricks he has these little things that he knows that you have to do to to come off well on camera and that's stuff he's learned. And I think it's such an interesting scene where Aaron is just like so reluctant to take any kind of direction from him. And then he's like kind of proven wrong a couple of times, like with sitting on your coat and he's like, Oh yeah, my shoulders, you know, and (laughs) things like that. And that's why I think didn't have any advice for the sweats. Did he? I, Oh my gosh. (laughs) I I just can't control myself with that. See, it is, so hilarious. I and... know. When it's rolling into his mouth. <laughs> when he has like those uh like irritated, just like just like kind of chicks. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe just try, off his he's face. Trying to, he's trying to flick the sweat out of his eyes. <laughs> so Jennifer, Good. what like legitimately one thing Derek and I were like confounded by is like, how did they do that? How did they all of a sudden, like, how is he all of a sudden, I don't think there's, like, an edit. There's not, there's not a cutaway, I think. Like, all of a sudden, you do just see the sweat pouring down his face. How did they do that? You know, it's funny. I thought the same thing because I watched it recently. I thought they had to have maybe, his hair is curly. I thought maybe they ran some something, oh, like some little yeah. microscopic okay. uh, tubes or something. Okay. Of water because it really at one point just came pouring down his <laughs> his forehead. So I I wondered if they rigged you know they rigged him up with something like really microscopic tubes and, and okay. maybe there was some water coming down. I don't know, um, but yeah, Aww. it's it's so. And I would argue that like it might be if if there ever was any moment in this film where it could be 
heightened reality, that would be the scene I would have to pick. But at the same time, also because of how they set up his character, like it, the payoff is so good. It is like so good. How does that, like, I mean, it is a crash and burn. I love his reaction to it though. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, yeah, you know what? I I learned that that is not what I want to do. Yeah. It, that and that's also I think really indicative of like the great writing because you maybe would not expect him to have maybe not serenity. I mean he wasn't it, but, he was not happy about it, right? But he yeah. he had a very measured mm-hmm. response. Mm-hmm. Like he had it's a- kind of why I say yeah. Sorry, um, it's no. why I feel like he that character of Aaron and Albert Brooks's portrayal of him. It's why I said I feel like he's the soul of the show. You know, yeah. he's of the yes. movie. He's so he he's all heart, really. Um, and I do agree. Like every once in a while, I think Jim Brooks's sitcom uh, mentality will creep into things, and yeah, that was definitely yeah. a departure tonally. Um, but you do totally buy it. You know, mm-hmm. it was one of the. It was it was such a you know an iconic scene in that movie. Um, when he opens his jacket, his I know. Is this is this noticeable? <laughs> oh, it's so. And just everybody else just does not know what to do with him. <laughs> the reactions. Then, we got to get through this. And then the the end when the guy's hand, the stage hand's hand is in the shot, and they turn your hand, Josh, your your hand. So good. And you see that the whole background is moving. I mean, that was definitely very sitcom, right? Yeah. Um, <sighs> It's so it's but, I wouldn't change a thing though, but like it is it is so so tremendously funny. It it really is so good. And it does like you're right, throughout the film there are moments of levity, but I think that scene is very much needed. My favorite moment of levity is of course when they're when they're doing like the demo of the theme song. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they're when they're over with it, it like chills. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that was good. Well, Jennifer, one thing that I I was very curious to get your thoughts on, as a writer, I wanted to know where you stand with the way that these characters are introduced as children, Hmm. as well as the epilogue to the film. Mm -hmm. And if you feel both are totally warranted and needed for the film if you could do without one or the other if you could do without like what are your thoughts on that because it is a really marked kind of like they they are very clear bookends to this film mm-hmm. well i mean of course you could do the movie without that sort of the the dissolves you know mm-hmm. the the showing them as children and then dissolving to holly hunter but to me and again i'll remember i mean i remember it's interesting. I remember seeing it for the first time and being so blown away by that, right? The mm-hmm. the beginning, the sort of mm-hmm. cold opening of the flashbacks. And then I loved the Holly Hunter version of when she was younger. Mm-hmm. She's, it so seemed like that was Jane when she was younger. And then you remember they did the dissolve to the walking. So the mm-hmm. little girl walks away and then they, they, they go into the present with Jane speed walking and picking up all the newspapers from all the different things. I was like, I'm Mm. in, you know? And then, um, so, I mean, from a writing standpoint, you could still do, you definitely did not need that sort of prologue with the flashbacks. It's just fun to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and to me, it was more about, it was really, 
I forgot about the other two. It was more about Jane, about Holly's oh, character okay. to me. Um, well, I think that it's on purpose that he saved hers for last and then did the dissolve mm. to the present with her walking. Mm. Um, and then while we're on that, and then I'll get back to the epilogue, um, sure. that first scene with Jane in the hotel room, when she, you know, she picks up the phone, she makes her call, she da da da. And that was the first time that she does her iconic, she unplugs the phone. Yeah. And she puts the receiver and, and Jim Brooks, right. He just had held that shot where you're just sitting there watching her and you're going, I, I remember the first time I saw it going, what's going on. And it was this perfect shot where she then just started crying. And mm-hmm. I remember even then at 20 or 21, um, feeling like that was probably the most brilliant character introduction ever with zero words. Like you knew everything about that person. That's how I felt that when she finished and then she plugged it back in and she's like, okay, let's go. Yeah. I thought that was incredible. Um, and I even say, you know, I tell people to have, I tell people I have my Holly Hunter crying moments. Like I'll just, Mm -hmm. I schedule crying and it's important. Mm -hmm. I encourage people to do it. Um, and then as far as the epilogue, um, yeah, I'm trying to imagine it without it. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'm glad that he left that in. Um, and you know about the possible alternate ending? Do you know about that? No. no. Yeah. So, and it's kind of an older story, but um, so they tested the movie, obviously, with focus groups with um, the ending that we saw that ended up being the ending. And people were like, no, I need her. I want her to end up with one of them. Oh, right. Yeah. So, (laughs) so, you know, and, and James Brooks didn't really, what I've heard interviews with him because of course I'm a nerd and I'm a geek about this movie. So I've done deep dives, um, years ago. He, I remember him saying something about the process during the filming that it unfolded in a way that he couldn't have her be with, either one of them, like in this beautiful way, it unfolded that it, it wasn't, that's not how it was going to be, but that was at a time where people didn't do that. Right. Right. It's usually, it's sort of that more, um, formulaic. Here's a love triangle. It's really clear. We want her to be with the person to be with this one. So we got to throw obstacles, but they end up being with that one. Well, so he said something like he had, there was some French film that he loved and he had heard that the director of the French film did something at the end where he filmed a scene. um, He sprung a scene on uh, kind of an impromptu scene. Didn't tell the one actress that um, the male, Oh, you know what? It was, um, it was a man and a woman that famous French, French, French film. Can't remember who was in it, but he didn't tell the female actress that the her the guy was going to come into the car with her, come into the scene, and, and he let the cameras roll and did an improv, right? So what James Brooks did was after that scene at the airport, 
when Holly Hunter gets in the cab, he shot an alternate ending. But what happened was he was going to have Bill come into the cab, right? That he didn't mm-hmm. get on the plane. Mm-hmm. But what happened was, and he, and, he, and he didn't tell Holly about it. What happened was at the last minute. So, oh, sorry, let me go back. Um, he had told Holly Hunter that they needed to do a reshoot of that scene because there was some audio something that happened. So they came back on another day. She was reshooting just the part where she gets into the cab after she's left him, right, at the airport. So what happened was, at the last minute, some crew member, right before James Brooks yelled action, said, oh, hey, Bill, Hmm. right? So he they blew the surprise. So Holly Uh. heard that, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but you can see that, you can see that alternate ending. Um, and it didn't work. It's yeah. kind of uncomfortable because he, he knew that they were really good at improv, but it didn't work. Um, back to, was I going off the epilogue? Yes. Um, <laughs> no, no, the, I love that hearing that. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I kind of felt satisfied with the epilogue emotionally because it kind of it kind of um just subtly fed that part of me that wanted them wanted her to be with both of them you know what i mean so now i know that she's she's kind of she and and albert books are good they're fine and now to me the way i took that ending is bill hurt and Sorry, Tom and Jane are going to be working together again. Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen? That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, we really don't know. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it felt like a bit of a satisfying um, wrap up to know that, oh, they're kind of all back together, sort of, you know? Yeah. And there seemed to be, I mean, still, you know, they're each... Well, I shouldn't say each, but like, you know, Aaron got his one like little jab and because what did he, um, what did his kid say? Some, something, the big something joke. About, there you go. The big joke. Um, yeah. About Tom. But there did seem to be kind of like a, um, I don't know for lack, lack of a better word, like peacefulness between the three of uh-huh. them. Yeah. And I really liked that. And I, I, I got the sense, because I think even something was said, Aaron was happily married, right? I think mm-hmm. I think something was said mm-hmm. about So, like, I appreciated that, you know, presumably he was, even though Jane and Tom did not get together, Aaron was still kind of the odd man out. And he got, so to speak, his happy ending in terms of somebody to love and a family. So... I can appreciate that as well. I, I think that's really interesting that um to like flip to the beginning of the film when you mentioned that for you the intro of Jane's character as a child resonated the most. I think for me, what I thought was so interesting about the way that, that the three different characters it played out is because I was thinking if they didn't have those introductions, would I understand Tom the way that I think I did with it because as a child you see that his lack of like I don't know intellectual prowess isn't for lack of trying and yeah I know yeah yes no yeah I agree ahead. and I, no, I was gonna say um yeah it it definitely informed 
Tom's character. I remember thinking, and I still thought it again, that they should have chosen a a better looking kid to play yeah. <laughs> to play Tom. Because remember, he says something like, you know, what what can you do if, or whatever when all you can do is look good? And I was like, this kid's not as like attractive as I feel like he should be. But yeah, um, he wasn't. <laughs> No, no offense to the kid, but like kind of pudgy. Like, yeah, no yeah, offense. he was okay, but he wasn't exactly like I wouldn't think a kid where a statement would be made about you know was it beating them, beating them off with a stick or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, beating them exactly. Yeah. Um, but but I do now that you say that it, it's true. It did really inform. It did really inform. Of course, it informed all of them. Right. Um, right. I loved it. No, I the thought whole, the I, whole the whole sequence. I just I I don't know why I always kind of like lean into that. Like, oh, was that needed? Because you know, I think there could be an argument made. Well, you know, you're not doing enough to showcase the characters in the present time. If you have to do a flashback, or you know, like yeah. you should be able to tell everything you need to tell. Same thing. Why like some people have you know, there's conversation around using voiceover and narration for the same reasons. Um, so I was just I was just wondering how how you felt about that. One thing that I wanted to circle back to that you said very early um in our conversation is the way that Jane's character resonated for you in terms of being a strong female character especially during that time and while this is called 80s movie montage <laughs> I'm I'm really curious because you know I guess the obvious movie comparison is maybe network in a way, although it's obviously not a comedy really. Um, and Faye Dunaway's character. And I was just curious if at the time that you had seen broadcast news, if network had been a film that you had already seen at that point. If yeah. You you're going to hit a brick. You're going to hit a brick wall with me on network. I, I remember seeing it, but I don't remember enough okay. about it to okay. make a comparison. No, that's totally fair. Cause I mean, I I don't think I've seen it since film school, um, but I remember thinking, wow, they and I think very intentionally so they have her portrayed Faye Dunaway as a very all hard edges mm. kind of character, and so you know that's ten years removed from this film, and it's just interesting, and I think it's I think it's good the way that Brooks, you know gives dimension again to Jane's character with you speaking on these moments that she has where she just breaks down crying. Derek and I talked about those moments that they, that, you know, Brooks makes a choice to show. And I think that that's also needed because arguably you can maybe say that she's like, she's high strung. Yeah. She's, she's very intense. Yeah. Very intense. And I think that to me, you know, I fully agree with you with everybody needs like a crying release. And that to me, that's not weakness in any way, but that is showing that like she, the way that I interpreted it is that she needed to kind of release in a way and, and also show not weakness, but a softness. I mean, whether it's character, I, I would agree. It's not, it's not like really a weakness, but it, it takes a character that would otherwise be almost like 
superhuman in her ability to like go through this level of intensity and it brings it back down to like oh she is still an actual like real person yeah yeah um so i thought and again it's sorry to throw you that curveball with like bringing up network but it was the one other movie with and and faye dunaway is a very strong character in that film but a very different kind of female female portrayal of somebody who works in news um, the other female character that I wanted to bring up from this film is played by Jane Cusack and Joan Cusack. Oh, I'm Joan. sorry. Joan. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> conflating the, yeah, the character, the different characters. Um, and I was just curious how you felt about that portrayal of like female friendship in the film. <laughs> Well, I mean, I feel like they didn't give much airtime to that. Um, sure. I love Joan Cusack so much. I mean, obviously, and that character and that famous sequence where she's running for the tape and running to get the tape into the to the booth and hits the, the, the drinking fountain. I mean, I think she's incredible. I, I wish there wasn't enough with the two of them. Um mm-hmm. Actually, really wasn't enough. Even with you, you saw a moment with her with with Jennifer too. When Jennifer yeah. asks her at the party, "Hey, could I? I see you with Tom a lot. Do you mind if I see him?" And you can see that they're close, and you can see that that you know, going back to to Jane um, and this even will tie in the the crying moments. You see how um, warm and and you know almost motherly sisterly nurturing she is mm-hmm. with all the people in the office and especially after people started getting fired and mm-hmm. um how affected she is so she's she's a a little firecracker right and she's incredibly talented and good at what she does and those crying moments i mean the thing that i why i said in that opening scene why i thought it was so brilliant from the script and, and, and Holly Hunter's performances with no words, you knew not only did she, so she schedules the moments, right? They make it clear that she schedules them. She unplugs the phone. She mm-hmm. sits there during that first cry. And she even at one point looks at her watch. Yeah. Just waiting for it. And so, yeah, I mean, talk about not only three dimensional, but um, a character you can be invested in and see, I mean, so three-dimensional. It's so funny because it's like, even even though she's having this very personal moment to herself, the fact that she still schedules it is, it like, falls right in line with her character. <laughs> like, it's... it's Yeah, really... and she does it in the office. Like, yeah, they know yeah. <laughs> she does it at her little desk and they know. They're like, good morning, yep. And let me plug <laughs> the phone back in. So... That's really funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I... the When you mentioned... Um, Blair, so the the Cusack character running with the tape, I thought it was hilarious because there was literally no reason for her to run into the water fountain because <laughs> she was on the other side of the hallway. But boy, but did she! she. Well, <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> like I just, I loved uh, it. So good. It was so. I mean, <laughs> so good. It doesn't it, matter how many times I've seen it. I still laugh out loud. I think she's a pretty underrated physical comedy character or actress, I should say. Oh um, yeah, I mean, remember her in Sixteen Candles with the yeah. with the yeah. scoliosis a, yeah. brace? Yeah. <laughs> no, she's there was that other know, but, there was that other funny water uh, water fountain when she was trying to 
get the water mm-hmm. and 16 candles with the scoliosis break uh, brace. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh, thank you. We were wondering what, cause we couldn't remember exactly what, like what she was using in that film. So thank you for, for, cause Derek and I both didn't like, was didn't, it just like a headgear? Type yeah. Thing, we, but... we both were not, not, uh, correctly identifying it but, oh, no, uh, she had yeah. the full-on full-on bra- upper body torso neck brace <laughs> she's so i mean out the gate she was so funny because that was i mean she didn't even really have a speaking role in that film so so she i know and this was only three years later so that's amazing i'm yeah. so the last character that I and i mean if there was certainly anybody else that you wanted to speak on for sure we can but just because this was such a interesting bit of casting, what are your thoughts on the usage of Jack Nicholson in this very limited role that he had in the film? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I'm remembering the other night it did. I was trying to remember, um, did he have a relationship with Jim Brooks? Had they worked together? Because mm-hmm. it was odd. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know why. And I, I, I do remember thinking that it was odd, that it seemed like it, he didn't fit in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember, did they have, I mean, they work together, right? Um, oh, of course. Yeah. That's why I completely blanked. Yes. That's why he did it. It seemed like it was just kind of like. Hey, come do a, you know. But that is how it felt for me. That that's very much I know. how it felt. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think, it makes me wonder if there was yeah. a sorry if there was a no. larger storyline that got cut. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, po- very um, possibly. Because it was even odd. I bet there. I bet there was, or I wouldn't be surprised if there if there were because him showing up at the station was. Yeah. Yeah, it did feel kind of like there was something missing. Like, why have it be Jack unless there's more? Yeah, and I was like, because I, I know that often we attribute like meaning to some things that just happen by happenstance <laughs> in films. Um, I know that like I think Spike Lee has like some quote about how like he gets way more credit for things in his movies than he ever intended because <laughs> it's just you had to do things mm-hmm. a certain way, but. Um, I if if it was intentional and he got the screen time that he was always supposed to have in the movie, I was wondering, is it because, you know, he obviously like everybody, Jane, um, the the head of the network, uh, so what was the character name? Paul Moore. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they all kind of mm-mm. Cower is not exactly the word I want to use, but they all have a certain kind of like way that they defer to him. And right, kind of a little bit obsequious. Yeah. And so I'm like, is it because, like, so is that the reason for the casting choice? Because obviously Nicholson is this larger than already at that time, of course, this like larger than life kind of figure. And is that what? was supposed to kind of bleed through with his character. I don't, I don't know if I'm grabbing at straws. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. I've never given much thought to this other than, like I said, it always felt a little bit out of place. And I wondered if there was, 
a larger storyline. Um, Very possible. Because, I mean, yeah. really, really, I don't even feel like there was a need, a, a story need for him to be in that scene with the layoffs. Right. They, I mean, there, there were two, two little moments that stand out to me. There was that one joke that Paul says about, well, you know, you could cut a million or two off your salary, right? Mm-hmm, that, so there was mm-hmm. that fun joke. And then there was that, the handshake between him and Tom. If you remember, they did a, they, they did a, an insert of a close up of them shaking hands and meeting for the first time, which was really saying, Okay, Tom is gonna go. He's he's on the trajectory. He's the mm-hmm. chosen one. Mm-hmm. That that to me, I feel like is the only purpose, really. That okay, but I don't feel like he even needed to be there. Yeah, it was just a really <laughs> interesting, and I mean, I because we're we're not him, invested but... in him, right? right. We're, I'm, we're, I feel like we're more invested in Ernie. Um, oh, for sure. You know, the, the boss than yeah. we are in Jack Nicholson. So, yeah, it it, it, it was it, weird that he was the one to like work through the layoffs. Right. Because all I'm thinking is like, oh, there's Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> like you weren't given enough time to just like lean into his character. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And in fact, um, I noticed it the other night that when people start kind of they it's clear that they've heard the news. He just sneaks out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he's like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with this. So then it's kind of like, well, why'd you come down? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's unless, really. Unless he came down to meet Tom. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Kind of and then Tom the ends up taking his job. Yeah. You know, that's in the, in the epilogue. Yeah. He nope. is taking over his right. job. Still. I mean, it's like I am always glued to the screen whenever Jack Nichols. So even if I'm thinking, I mean, cause <laughs> he, I mean, it's like him, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt. A lot of them are like, oh, I'm looking at Tom Cruise. I'm looking at Brad Pitt. Like, it's hard for me at this point, given like their superstar status um, mm-hmm. to think otherwise. But I mean, he for the third time, I think this is the most I've ever used this phrase in a single episode. Like he knows how to choose scenery. So like he, <laughs> he knows how to be in a movie. Um, so I enjoy his presence, but it is like a noticeable presence, but mm-hmm. Jennifer, this has been just a really tremendous conversation. And <laughs> we, we have loved having you on the show. It's always, I've mentioned this before that, it's always so fun to have guests on where they just are so like, there's a film that's so beloved by them. Yeah. That is the best. That is the best. So beloved. So beloved. (laughs) But wait, I have to, uh, whether you leave this in or whether you leave this in or not, I do have to tell you the story that it's, 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 it's fun when I think about it is so, so again, I was in college when I saw this movie and then, my senior year of college, uh, we had to do an internship and I, you know, film school here. And my internship ended up being at Entertainment Tonight oh, up cool. here in Hollywood. At the time, Entertainment Tonight was the the only entertainment news source, right? It was before mm-hmm. anything else. It was massive. And, um, you know, as an intern, that was like a well-oiled machine. There were like five, 400 employees, whatever, but they, they covered every single possible thing. So as an intern, you could, you know, look at the board and 
see what shoots were going on and, and asked the director, oh, could I go on the shoot? So um, the longest story short is they were doing a press junket for this movie, Always, which was Spielberg directed with Holly Hunter and blah, blah, blah. So I'll just say Holly Hunter. Okay. She was in it. Okay. So I, I've already told you my obsession with Holly Hunter. So the, sh- the long story short version is I was always doing Holly Hunter impressions. I was doing oh. lots of impressions, but <laughs> so I got to, I got to go on this shoot because I knew the director that was shooting it and she knew how much I loved Holly Hunter. And I'm in this suite in the four seasons where they have Spielberg's there and Richard Dreyfus and Holly Hunter and John Goodman. Cause they were the stars in the movie. And, um, you know, they're about to interview them. And the director at ET says, um, Oh, come on. I want you to meet. I'm going to introduce you to Holly. So I, <laughs> so she's in the bathroom about to get her makeup done. And, um, so the director says how she introduces me. She goes, Oh, the, Holly, this is Jennifer. She does the most amazing impression of you. Oh That's the first gosh, thing I she said. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like 20. I don't know. Well, actually, you know what? It was probably maybe I'm 21 now. I don't know. Maybe 22. I don't know. But I'm dying inside. And, and Holly, and I'm like, I look, I'm like, no, 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 that's funny. No, no, no. And, um, and she's like, you know, come on, I want to hear it. And so they're all like, yeah, come on. And all of a sudden, which one did I say first? I think I said something from Raising Arizona. But I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, we have a baby now. Everything's changed. <laughs> And she looks at me and I go, I love him so much. And um, she goes, she goes, wow, you sound more like me than I do. No, she goes, wow, you sound more like me than I do myself. And, um, and then the last one, the last one I did um, was from Broadcast News. And I said, you are now required to sit here with me. And so what happened was then they were about to shoot the whatever Spielberg was being interviewed in the, in the main area. And um, they were going to have to close the door and Holly Hunter goes, Oh, stay in here with me and talk to me. So I, they closed the door and I literally, I got to sit there with her in this tiny bathroom while she was getting her makeup done for like 20 minutes and talk to her. That it, was, is it was just incredible. Awesome. Of course this is staying in. Yes. That is <laughs> a great story. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that is so cool. I mean, man, even I, that was an emotional roller coaster yes. from like. <laughs> from oh, I mean, can you way? imagine? <laughs> she le- I still remember it, you know, because they say adrenaline will lock memories into your body. I still remember. Oh, She's like, oh, come over. She goes, she goes, oh, this is Jennifer. She does the most hilarious impression of you. And I literally wanted to die. Like, I, 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 I just sure. was like. <sighs> Because I was already nervous. Yes, of course. Oh, and I think it was, I know, I know. Um, But it ended up being great. I think it was when, um, when she said, oh, no, come sit with, sit here with me. And they closed the door. I think that's what I said. You are now required to sit here with me. (laughs) And she just laughed. I love that. So good. She sounds like, like, you know, they say don't meet your heroes, but it sounds like that was a lovely interaction. It was, it was. She's, I mean, she's tiny, you know, she's like five feet tall or something. She's maybe five one. I don't know. Five two. Mm-hmm. Have no idea, but she's this teeny tiny <laughs> ball of fire. I love so. that. And man, what a career. What, I mean, 
like Derek and I were talking about it, how, you know, this woman can go for, I mean, not like back to back, but like can do a role like Raising Arizona and then can do a role like the piano. I know. Like what? And now she's on that sitcom with Ted Danton, which I have not seen. Yeah. I mean, she, she has the comedy chops for sure. And then obviously she got the, like how amazing to get the Oscar for a role like that. I think, um, we were talking about it that she was nominated twice that year. Cause I think she, that's when she got like her best supporting nom for the firm. Um, oh, and then case, the piano. Yeah. 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 But she's, she's tremendous. Love her. Love that. Like she is still very much like working and just giving us great performances. But yeah, Jennifer- I was quite, I was quite, I was just going to say, I was quite devastated when, with William Hurt's death. Wow. I didn't yeah. realize yeah. how much he, uh, yeah, he was just, he was tremendous. He was such a tremendous artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had, I mean, he was a tremendous talent throughout the course of his career, but in particular, he had an amazing eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. The big chill. Yeah. That was one yep. of my favorites. Children of a lesser God. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yep. Um, this would be Spider another Woman? podcast. Yeah. No, absolutely. If you want to yeah. be um, part of our uh, William Hurt series <laughs> from the sure. 80s. <laughs> yep. William Hurt. Happy to. <laughs> All Happy right. Well, then, well, and we're keeping this in as well because then you're on the hook. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, well, listen, I mean, I can, it, it uh, as you can tell, I could talk about and you know, just gush about broadcast news all night, all day, all night. So I think it's such a masterpiece. So this was really super fun. Oh, that's what, thank you. Thank you for saying that. I mean, that is a, a big reason why we enjoy doing this so much because, you know, look, you can have a beloved film from any era, but we just on our own have so many that we just absolutely adore. And like I said, it's awesome because we just have been able to have these really great conversations with people who they themselves have these films that for many different kinds of reasons, you know, whether it was a film that they grew up with or it was a film that resonated with them in their younger life or whatever the case may be, it's a film that is very much a part of their heart. So just thank you so much for being part of the show. It was truly our pleasure to have you on it. Thank you guys. And it was really your questions. um, You know, they led me to a fun sort of trip down memory lane of really remembering the first time I saw it and why it was important to me. And it really does. Thank God feel like yesterday. Hmm. Yeah. Like I do remember sitting in the theater. So um, yeah, I appreciate it. It was super fun. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. (laughs) Yay. Jennifer, thank you again for your time, for the great conversation. We appreciate it so much. That was awesome. Thank you. (laughs) So Derek, I'm very curious about this one. Yeah. Would you watch this film again? I think so. Yeah. There's a lot. I would watch it again just to watch uh, Albert Brooks anchor that one segment. <laughs> so good. It is It is such a funny segment. It's, it, so it's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's so good. I mean, I, I wish there was maybe a little bit more humor to the film, but that is partly like why Brooks is great. Like he does a 
he he does dramedy yeah really well very much so yeah um but that man <laughs> i could not stop laughing I mean, it's so you good knew, you knew it wasn't gonna go well and i don't know like <laughs> do i feel better that it was just because he sweated through like five suits instead of like getting tripped up on his words or saying like because he no matter how bad it was he still powered through it i'm really trying to figure out how they did that too like, could he, can he just will himself to sweat like that? No, like, how did they do that? So. They must have, they had, they had something going on. It, I mean, it's. It's fantastic. It's fantastic because it looks absolutely real. Like, all of a sudden you're just like, oh my God, he's yeah. like. You just drenched. see the one, yeah. you see one line, <laughs> one just like bead running down his face and you're like, oh, that's not good. And then when and he he's like swatting like, it yeah. away. And, <laughs> and like twitching yeah. to like get off it. It's so good. And then, and then just when they cut and he opens up his oh jacket and his whole shirt is soaked on it's These so like fans so on so good yes it is so good so yeah I'd, I'd watch it again it was i i enjoyed it yeah. i did i well i love this movie yeah i mean call it action i so i'm actually very curious so the, like i said oscar categories aside i think that the three leads have pretty equal billing and what I find so fascinating about this film is the way that Brooks depicts really complex characters. Like with all three of them, there are attributes that are great and you love them for it, but then they very much have shades of gray. Like there are yeah. things that I hate about Jane and I hate about Aaron. And I mean, not so much Tom, but you know, Tom isn't perfect either. And so I'm just really curious because I personally don't think this is a film that gets made today with like the kind of nuance. Mm, I mean, probably not. I mean, it, it feels like there's maybe a, a better chance to get something like this than some of the other movies we've talked about. But I don't know if it that means it would be more of an would... indie film. I don't think it would have. No, that's that's true. Such a and and I feel like too much nowadays people just go into like antihero yeah so it's like they're just overall a bad person but they you know well whatever tom did would have been like really over dramatized yes. yes far more than it was in this yeah so i'm just very curious if somebody has a favorite character from this mm. film like who who would they identify with because they all are different characters in their own way although again i would say that aaron and Jane are pretty ice strong. They're so like they're so like extreme in their like characteristics that I feel like everyone everyone has felt a little bit of what any of these characters have gone through. You know, um hopefully no one is waking up and just like crying uncontrollably <laughs> every day. Yeah. But every, everyone's like, man, I need a break, right? You know. Yeah. And everyone, well, hmm, I don't know. Has anyone actually thought like I'm smarter than it? like that that high school graduation speech from Albert Brooks' character? Which why were there no adults? It was, there, yeah. It's a high school graduation. And you're telling me there are no adults around while he's getting pummeled. But everyone can kind of relate to the sense of like moving, starting a new job, going mm -hmm. someplace new, and feeling kind of intimidated by yeah. these other people that do like have this reputation of just being mm -hmm. like brilliant and just much faster. And the whole, like what I absolutely hate is the whole, like, I don't have time to help you. Yeah. Like just throwing you into the fire. I hate that. Well, so cause much. then he went out of his way to like spend a whole yeah. evening trying to help Mr. Flop sweat. Yeah. So 
If you would like to get in touch with us, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. It is the same handle for all three. It is at 80s Montage Pod, and 80s is 80s. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sneak peek. Hmm. This is going to be kind of a tough one in terms of giving you a clue. Um, I guess what I'll start with is Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Backdraft. That is a 90s movie. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Parenthood. Oh, that'll be a fun No, but that'll no? be a okay. fun one one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of... Okay, I'll just start like throwing out main player names. I, I think this is gonna I think this is gonna be a tough one. As much as I love Ron Howard and some of the actors in this are very well known actors, I'm not sure if a lot of people are familiar with the film. Okay. Henry Winkler. Oh. I know I know him. Mm-hmm. Shall we um, long? I'm waiting to hear three zero nine six Tage. <laughs> Do you want me to just tell you? Yeah. Night shift. Oh, I so would this never is a very, that. very early Ron Howard. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, great. I what I love is when our guests ask about a film that you know. I mean, look, I love watching films with actors I don't know, but it's always fun when you talk about a film where there are well-known actors, but the film itself hasn't quite stayed. Yeah in the zeitgeist or whatever you want to call it so this will be a really fun one to talk about so i I am aware of the movie yes i don't think i've ever seen it but i'm actually looking forward to seeing it i've only seen bits and pieces yeah yep so that is coming up next and in the meantime just thank you to everyone for hanging with us with all the podcast choices we do appreciate that you so many choices so many choices so thank you so much and we will talk to you again in two weeks time 